Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. All right, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, by Seekers and For Seekers. Uh, this is episode three, Lost and Forbidden Books, and our introduction. In our first podcast, in discussing the age of the earth and that the Bible is not the sum of God, we pondered how much time lapsed between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. We visited Isaiah chapter 14 the account of the fall of Lucifer, which we must believe happened after God created the heavens and the earth and before the earth was void and without form, and discuss the possibility of Lucifer's fall being the reason the earth was void and without form, because in Isaiah fourteen twelve, Lucifer destroyed the nations, and in verse 17, he made the earth a wasteland. And, of course, this led us up to episode two, Angels, God's Agents on Earth, which we talked about how that's how God is with us, one of the ways he's with us, which twice took us to the book of Enoch, once in Genesis 6, where the sons of God saw the daughters of men and realized the theory that these sons of God were angels came from Enoch's watchers, and then to the book of Jude, where, Jude, where the angels uh, who kept not their first estate was mentioned, and it's clear that Jude was very familiar with Enoch's writings because Jude quoted Enoch 1.9, called him by name, identified him as the seventh person from Adam. And so in maintaining continuity today, we're going to discuss the lost books of the Bible, the Apocrypha, the Forbidden Books, whatever you may choose to call them, or maybe books that weren't even considered yet are quoted from and referred to in the Bible itself. So our thought for segment one is going to be Lost and Forbidden Books. Books and writings referred to or quoted in the Old Testament that were not allowed to be in our Bible. And, but, we're, but yet they were being read and studied, right? And utilized by, like, the writers that we talked about. Otherwise, Jude would have had no knowledge of the Book of Enoch. Okay. Uh, last week, we ended our discussion with Jude. He not only quoted Enoch, but referred to an event, the angelic dispute over the body of Moses, from an ancient writing called The Assumption of Moses, which, Trace and I think you gave us some insight to, uh, which we may visit in another, another episode concerning New Testament writings, probably the next one, that were excluded. But last week's discussion of Jude is our catalyst for today's topic. This first segment, in this first segment, we'll use the Old Testament 
a testament to reference books, writings, and material that was for whatever reason not put in the Bible. Let's not forget our mission here. It's not an attempt to discredit the Bible, but an opportunity for believers to seek God both in the pages of the Bible and beyond. If the Bible is the sum of God, as some want us to think, then God hasn't officially had anything to say to mankind in 2,000 years. And what a tragic faith that would be. Really, to, to think that God just, just quit speaking to us officially. Remembering that John closed his gospel account with the one statement that there weren't enough books in the world to contain all the things that Jesus did in his short life here on earth. So to think the Bible is a play-by-play detailed account of everything our eternal creator God has ever done or ever will do is a little closed-minded, and it fringes on ridiculous. Now, into our topic today, there are many Old Testament references to books written outside the Bible. We're only going to use a few of those most glaring references that you can easily go to in your Bible. The number one book we're going to talk about is the book of Jasher. And I don't know that I'm pronouncing some of these names right. It's J-A-S-H-E-R. It's mentioned first in Joshua 10, 13. And it reads like this. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. In this event not recorded, is this event not recorded in the book of Jasher? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. The second time we see the book of Jasher, and that was, that was Joshua 10, 13. We go to 2 Samuel 1, 18 and it reads, Then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan. And he commanded that it be taught to the people of Judah. It is known as the Song of the Bow, and it is recorded in the book of Jasher. Of course, then I'm going to go ahead and read a New Testament verse, and that really applies more to next week. But 2 Timothy 3.8 says, These teachers oppose the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. This is Paul writing to Timothy, of course. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. Verse 9 says, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. So we're talking about the book of Jasher, what we know. Well, we know it did exist. It was a book that recorded miracles, right? Because that deal of Joshua. Yes, and obviously poetry as and, well. And poetry, recording, uh, recording a song and poetry that David wrote, which was kind of neat, that it wasn't that song never appears or that poem never appears in the book of Psalms. So it says that he wrote it, what about uh, King Saul and Jonathan, his son Jonathan, about their death. And he did it as a funeral song and said, everybody's going to have to learn this. I guess that's what it sounds like. Do we even have any clue who the person Jasher was? Okay, I did a little bit of study into this, and they're not certain if, because of the way Hebrew translates, um, the Hebrews were very, very particular about names that they gave people having a very specific meaning. Right. So they're unclear at this point in time if Jasher was a person or if it was the name of the book itself. Because Jasher translates literally to upright or the upright man or the just man. Oh, well, So that's they're cool. not sure if he was someone named Jasher with that meaning to his name or if it was sort of a Bible before Bibles, a religious book of the time. Kind of cool, I think. Uh, I kind of wondered, I didn't research this, how long would his works have to span to record the event in Joshua's day, which was Joshua was Moses' replacement, right? And uh, 
also record a song David wrote as a memorial for King Saul and his son Jonathan. I mean, ha- I didn't research. I, How many years was between that, I wonder? I sat down and I added up. We believe that Joshua died around 1245 B.C., and we believe that King David reigned around 1000 B.C. So that's a 245-year stretch of time covered from the time Joshua died until David reigned. So obviously, Jasher, if it's a person or whatever it is, the title of the book, it's a collection of some historic events and probably passed through some other people. I mean, they could have lived 200 and something, but not many people were living 250 years then, were they? No, I think by that point, the lifespans had really started to shorten down. So still talking about the book of Jasher that's mentioned at least twice by name in the Old Testament, I read where the Mormons had purchased rights to an English version of part of the book of Jasher, and they published it in the late 1800s. Did you read anything about that? I read the book. Oh, you read the book of Jasher. The, or It was a portion, right? It wasn't the whole collection? It, it's not complete. Um, it's a really interesting read. You start out like the book of Genesis, and once you get to Noah, well, actually, before Noah, there's some really interesting things that happen. Um, Noah... Noah's grandfather knew that the flood was coming. They all knew it was coming before Noah was given the promise of the ark. They thought the earth was just going to be completely destroyed. And that's according to the book of Jasher. This is according to the book of Jasher. And there's some other really interesting stories. It's worth your time to read. It really I'll, is. I'll have, to, I'll have to read it. And also, sure, they knew. Do you know that uh, uh, Methuselah... Methuselah's name means something like when he dies, it will happen. Yes. So that was talking about, and he died the year the flood came. That's kind of, I'm not sure why Paul's statement to Timothy, second, but I found this twice at 2 Timothy 3.8 about Janus and Jambres rebellion is a credit to the book of Jasher. But Paul, having been a Pharisee and a Jewish scholar, would certainly have had access to it. Supposedly, these are the two magicians in the book of Exodus who stood before Pharaoh and used magic to mimic Moses as he threw down his staff and it became a snake. Other research keeps accrediting this event to be recorded also in something called (laughs) Pliny the Elder's Natural History. He was an interesting guy. Oh, did you find this? This is actually, I I did some, uh, thanks, Tracen, for doing a lot of research on this, but I just, I kept thinking... (laughs) I don't know. I keep thinking something Roman. Irish. I keep thinking something Irish. Pliny's. I, I'm sorry. Let's, uh. Pliny the Elder was Roman, and he lived around 85 AD. And he has a massive library of works. But oh, wow. He, he was actually more of a natural history buff. He has a lot of books on rocks and geological Well, and his time, his time frame would have been about when? Around 85 A.D. So, wow. That's pretty cool. Pliny, the Elder's Natural History, and I can't keep from laughing when I say that. Even when I was typing it, it was just, I thought that was just such a cool name. And I may not even be pronouncing it right. It's P-L-I-N-Y. Your guess is as good as mine. I couldn't find a clear pronunciation of it. But he has some interesting historical works. His life's work was to put as many ancient writings and as much information as possible into a Roman library where it would be kept for the ages. And in 2018, I would say he succeeded. Yeah. Uh, 
looking at that, also I want to make one more mention of that Janus and Jambres. I am told this event's also recorded in the Gospel of Nicodemus, that Nicodemus refers to them by name. So whether or not this particular event was recorded in the book of Jasher or not is still questionable, uh, but it's, it, it's at least a reference to some historical account we don't have in our Bible. We may revisit this one in a later episode, probably the next episode. Any further research or finds in the book of Jasher, anything particular, Tracing, that you wanted to just, since you, Tabitha's been really quiet, just holding up fingers, telling us <laughs> two minutes and all this I'm stuff. I'm just taking it all in. You're just taking it all in. Okay, anything else, Tracing, that you wanted to add to this segment? You've got about a minute. I really couldn't find anything about the book of Jasher, but I was able to read the Gospel of Nicodemus, or at least what they claim is the Gospel right, of right, Nicodemus. Yeah. It's available online. You can go on and read it. And it really affirms everything about the life of Christ. What they didn't like about it, the reason it didn't make it into the canon Didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Is because he claims that the darkness on the day of Christ's crucifixion was a full solar eclipse. And he also claims that Pilate and Caiaphas later became believers and were involved in the church. In our next there's some, well, I better not go into their next episode. We better just call it a, let's call it quits right there, and we'll go into segment two. Okay, everyone, welcome back to God Beyond the Bible by Seekers for Seekers. You can find our podcast at GodBeyondTheBible.com or where else, Tracen? You can type in God Beyond the Bible on the search bar on Facebook and go right to our page and give us a like there. Wow. We're on, and, and I guess on the podcast, I guess everybody knows, I don't know a lot of this stuff. I'm not tech, technical, but you can subscribe and when a new episode comes up, it'll like. Yes, you can subscribe on Apple, on Google Play, or on Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcasts. Listen how cool that is, and, and so it'll like come to your phone. Come to your phone, your tablet. I, iPad, whatever. Mm-hmm. Cool. Our thought for this seg- segment is going to be the Old Testament references to lost or forbidden books of antiquity, or lost books of the Bible, those which were found in early texts and were later excluded. In segment one, we talked about the book of Jasher, referred to in Joshua and 2 Samuel. And we're going to spend a little time in this second segment. Now, only two segments this this podcast because there was just so much to get in and uh, trying to not break it into so many segments. But we're going to be looking at the book of Ido the Seer or the Annals of the Prophet Ido. And uh, am I pronouncing that right? I-D-D-O? I could not, once again, find a clear pronunciation of it. So if this sounds a little odd to you, it actually sounded a little strange to me because I'm going to be honest with you, I've read the Bible for a long time, and I thought, what? Ido the seer? The prophet Ido? Who in the world is that? We first get introduced to him in Second Chronicles 9.29. reads like this, Second Chronicles 9.29. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Nathan, the prophet, the prophecy of Ahijah from Shiloh, and also in the visions of Ido the seer. He appears again in 2 Chronicles 12.15. reads like this. The rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Shem- Shem- Shemaiah. Is that it? 
Like Isaiah. I like believe. Isaiah, because it's spelled S-H-E-M-A-I-A. The, uh, so uh, let me read it again. The rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Shemaiah the prophet and the record of Iddo the seer, which are part of the genealogical record, unquote. Then in 2 Chronicles 13.22, again, the rest of the events of Abijah's reign, including his words and deeds, are recorded in the commentary of Iddo the prophet. So here we have three clear references to Iddo the prophet in his collection of writings that we do not have access to. All I found is that Iddo the seer was a prophet who lived during the reign of King Solomon, Rehoboam, and Abijah. Uh, this record, aside from the titles from some of his, its inclusions, are said to be completely lost to history. You got anything on that, Tracy? That seems pretty close. There's no record of the book. They know that the name of it was Ido's Book of Genealogies. Okay. But beyond that, they can't find any real information on it. I'm going to throw a curve out here. Do we know who the chronicler was? We don't, do we? We don't know who wrote the Book of Chronicles? Who did that? I mean, it was a scribe or something somewhere, but I mean, he's not identified. Is he? It's just one of those writings that isn't. A, it's a history that's not identified by the historian. I, I don't know. I would have to look. Somebody, somebody will probably, <laughs> somebody will probably let me know if they know, and, and I'd be glad. I'd be glad. Be glad for you to email us and, and let us know. You can email and correct Alan at email <laughs> at godbeyondthebible.com. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so in Ezra five one, it states that Zechariah. The prophet is the son of Iddo. And the book of Zechariah is introduced with the first verse stating that Zechariah is the son of Berechiah, the grandson of Iddo. Now, that, let me say something. That wouldn't be unusual for him to be called the son of because they didn't really use terms like grandson, right? That's correct. And that was the study that I did showed that Rehoboam's reign was in about 931 through 913 B.C., and that would put about 10 generations between him and Zechariah, who lived around 520 B.C. So it wouldn't be unheard of for him to still be called the son of Ido if he was a prominent character or grandson. Would he, would he be in range to be the grandson? You're talking about about 400 years. Oh, well, that'd be a stretch, wouldn't it? So but, there are there are those who'd argue that this is not the Ido mentioned in the Chronicles, but I'm unclear what they base that assumption on, and I guess you just cleared that up. The 400-year range, but 10 generations down, they were still referring to David's descendants as the sons of Jesse. Well, well, that's true. So let's, let's, let's at least say, though, let's don't muddy up the waters too much, uh, and I didn't mean to do that, and that's kind of my fault, but... The reality is, Ido the prophet was a real guy. He was. And his writings were real. They were. Whether he was in the line of Zechariah or Zechariah was in his line it, or not, it doesn't, doesn't he matter. still existed. And we know that in three places in the book, in Chronicles, Second Chronicles, he's referred to by, his books are referred to uh, by name. So it's a real guy. And isn't it kind of, do you find it kind of amazing that we don't have anything, though? That really does interest me, and I did several hours of research and could find hardly anything at all about Ido. Um, I know that there is a group that is searching for these writings actively to see if anything still exists of them, but they have 
little to nothing other writings that support that they existed, but nothing but a quote or two. But I don't think there's any doubt they existed. And then there's no doubt that the Jews had access to it. Oh, absolutely. They absolutely So existed. the real question would be, why did the Jews decide it wasn't worth hanging on to or preserving or I don't know. We'll have to ask some of our Jewish friends that, I guess, if they know. <laughs> okay, there. Besides the besides the Book of Jasher and the and the and the Ido the Prophet, there are also references to many other books and histories that we know nothing about. What about the Book of Nathan the Prophet? That's mentioned in First Chronicles twenty nine twenty nine or and Second Chronicles nine twenty nine. What did you find anything about about Nathan the Prophet? It's really up in the air with Nathan the Prophet. Some people believe that he was the same Nathan who visited David. Well, that's 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 the thing that came to my mind. You know, he's the one that came to David after David sinned and told him the little story about the man that had killed the neighbor's sheep or the neighbor's whatever it was to feed his yes. the calf to feed his. And David said that man ought to be put to death. And Nathan said, "You are that man." Okay, that's the Nathan you're talking about. But do you think that's him? A lot of people seem to believe that he is, and some scholars actually believe that his writings create the first few chapters of the book of Samuel. Oh, well, that's that's pretty neat. So that's the book of the prophet Nathan. Then we have the record of uh, Shemaiah, the prophet, and, of course, we read about him there in Second Chronicles 9.29. And we've, did, we, did you find anything on him? Did we ask about him? Shemaiah is... There are several translations of the book available. I read a little bit of a couple of them, and I'm not sure that I would really put any stock into the claim that these are ancient books. Well, but we know that book. We know Shemaiah was a prophet Shemaiah that existed. The prophet, but it's the books that may not be. The somebody modern may have, versions that we have, I am not sure, were transcribed from ancient. It text. would be easy for people to uh, uh, what fake would have yes. reason to fake or something. And a lot works. of it comes from the only time, as far as modernly speaking, the only time you can find a book of Shemaiah the prophet is in the last 15 to 20 years. Right, right. We have the Acts of Solomon mentioned in 1 Kings eleven forty one. Anything there? I've, I've read some things that were supposed to be the somethings of Solomon, you know, extra writings in the lost books of Solomon. And it pretty much follows right along with Proverbs and stuff like that, doesn't it? And Ecclesiasticus. They're Ecclesiasticus, all right along that's the one that I was thinking line. of. Yeah. Okay, we have about 14 books that are still around referred to as the Apocrypha. And I so I hear this word thrown around, and I wanted to get kind of a definition that I could understand of what Apocrypha means because we refer to what the lost or forbidden books as Apocrypha. An apocrypha is defined as a story or a statement of doubted authenticity, even though it is widely circulated and believed to be true. I thought, what a definition. Let me read that again. A story or statement of doubted authenticity, even though it is widely circulated and believed to be true. Now, these included uh, additional verses to Daniel. Remember Bell and the Dragon. I don't know if you did any research on that, but Bell and the Dragon was a whole story that was added to the book of was originally supposedly in the book of Daniel and was disallowed. Yes. And uh, what some additional verses to Esther. And then we have the Maccabees, Tobit, Judith, the Song of the Three Holy Children, and I think this had to do, didn't it, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
I honestly have okay. never read that one. I think the Song of the Three Holy Children, uh, an extension of Daniel chapter 3. I understand that there were quite a few verses there that were disallowed, that were considered apocrypha or widely widely told as the truth, but they just couldn't authenticate or didn't authenticate. I don't know how that works. There, and of course, Go ahead. And there was also the Book of Jubilees. There were four more books of Ezra. Some people, however, believe that Second Chronicles was actually one of the other books. I've of read Ezra. where some of these other books kind of engulfed yes. some of these, and so they were considered not needing. Anything else on that thought? Well, we were asked the question, why do many of the Bible still include them? And many still use them, such as the Greek Orthodox Church. The division came, this is the, some of the research I found, that the division came when the Jews had a split about 60 years after the crucifixion of Christ or about 25 years after the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. There were a group of rabbis, I understand, who met and excluded the four accepted Greek writings as unclean because they weren't written in Hebrew. Maybe they had been trans. It never said that they were never written in Hebrew. They just didn't have any Hebrew copies of it. So uh, most of the world spoke the universal Greek language. In fact, both versions are said to have hung side by side for both Greek and Hebrew readers. This split caused the other books to be disallowed or banned or forbidden from the Hebrew version of Scripture. And by the way, our current version of the Old Testament is struck from this condensed version that these, ours comes from the Hebrew version where they disallowed, where after this committee of rabbis met after the fall of Jerusalem and they disallowed. You got anything on that, Tracen? I do not. The question I have is, why do men try so hard to keep others from reading anything they don't want them to read? Even though it's clear our forefathers had no problem with reading the forbidden works. Uh, I have to think that man always wants to insert himself as mediator in the God-human relationship. I think this is what they so hated about Jesus. He came liberating people from the control of certain religious leaders, telling folks they didn't need the temple or other men to, uh, to uh, they didn't need the temple or other men to mediate the relationship. I mean, can you imagine what a jolt it was when Jesus is out on the hillside and he's teaching thousands and he's saying to them, when you pray to the Father, pray in this manner, and can you imagine the, the, the uh, I mean, the, the religious leaders followed him everywhere he went. Can you imagine the shock when they said, what? You can't do that. You have to come to the temple. You have to go through the priest. You have to do that's all the these. That's the priest's job. Yeah, You're that's, taking his job away. Yeah, and so I'm just saying that. Okay, we're going to conclude this with some thoughts. And these are my, I always get this part of it because I kind of write the conclusion. And uh, these words do not re necessarily represent the thoughts of Tracen and Tabitha. <laughs> Why does he, so why is any of this even worth talking about? And this is my thought, my answer to that. One group of people from any era should never assume the authority of censoring or manipulating another's inspired work. It's just another example of how our Bible is just a brief account of who God is and what he has done and what he's doing. While we can gain a concept of our eternal creator God in the Bible, the Bible should never be the sum of our experience with God. Otherwise, we do not have a personal relationship. It is a vicarious relationship. You hear me say that a lot. And vicarious just means to live one's life through another's experience. And if we do that, we're living through the experiences of other men and women whose experiences happen to be written down and preserved. It's clear that there's been a multitude of inspired writers and historians whose work, for one reason or another, has been deemed by 
by a few not to be worthy of preservation or maybe even to destroy these works that challenge their beliefs, such as in the case of the Council of Nicaea in 400 A.D. Each of us should pray, meditate, observe God at work in our own lives and the world around us. God's not limited to a single book, person, or group of people, building or geographical location. He can do and does do anything he likes, anywhere he likes, anytime he likes, for anyone he likes. Did we learn nothing from Jesus who would touch and heal people without asking about their religious background or beliefs? He entered the homes and supped and, and dined with those considered spiritual dogs by the mainstream religion of his day. Many of those he healed were considered unworthy, outcast, and religiously unclean by the religion keepers of the day. We must allow the Holy Spirit we must learn to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the fullness of our loving Father to us personally. If the Bible is the sum of God, as some are trying so hard to make us think, then we're saying he has said all he has to say to his creation. He stopped speaking to us 2,000 years ago. If we're to seek God, we must seek him everywhere, inside the Bible and outside the Bible, not merely in antiquity, but experience him right now and in the future. My motivation for creating and launching this podcast is not to discredit the Bible or inflame believers, even though, even though I'm aware that this podcast is probably going to do that, but rather to liberate seekers like you and I to enter into a personal relationship, that kind of relationship that Jesus came, bled, and died, and rose, and ascended to the Father as our personal high priest to allow each of us to have as individuals. Without the spiritual stifling control that man has tried to obtain by using the Bible to manipulate and spread division and hate. God is love. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. From one seeker to another, God's grace and peace. Till the next time on God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.